Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by the Gettysburg Chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Our subject today is World War II American Experience, Women in History. And speaking of the American Experience Museum and Education Center in Gettysburg, our guest speakers today are Barbara Greeley, who is the chair of the Chapter Development and Revitalization Committee uh, for the state of Pennsylvania. She has been a past regent for three years, has been chapter registrar for eight years, and state registrar for three years. And she's been a member of the DAR for 20 years. Welcome, Barb. Thank you, Marian. I'm glad to have you with us. Thank you. And we also have the opportunity to have Cynthia Birdwell. She is the current chapter regent for the Gettysburg chapter. She joined in 2014, has served as registrar, as well as coordinating the fifth grade essay contest sponsored by the chapter annually to foster patriotism. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. We're glad to have you both. The Gettysburg DAR chapter was invited to participate in the World War II American Experience Museum and Education Center featuring the March theme, Celebrating Women's History Month. Open about one year ago, the Museum and Education Center strives to educate the public about the American sacrifices made during the world's largest conflict of the 20th century, both on the battlefield and on the home front, and to honor their dedication to win the war and preserve freedom. Barb, for those of you who don't know, tell us a little bit about the World War II American Experience Museum. Okay, I'd be happy to. When you think of Gettysburg, you typically think of the Civil War, but we have a rich history with World War II as well. Did you know that this area, Adams County, was the site of a Navy secret map-making office, or that there was a top-secret psychological warfare training camp, Camp Sharp Psycho Boys? There was also a German POW camp established on the Gettysburg National Military Park to provide needed labor for the growing, harvesting, and processing of the well-established local fruit and vegetable industry that we all know well with Adams County. And also, it's the home of the National Cemetery where 500 World War II veterans are buried. But mostly, you know, you think of Gettysburg and you think of the uh, only permanent home owned by General Eisenhower and his wife, Mamie, and uh, they resided in Gettysburg permanently after his presidency. The World War II Museum, it was a private, the collection is was in private hands, and their intent is to tell the story of the U.S. involvement in World War II through the eyes, experiences, and memories of the people of Gettysburg, Adams County, and the surrounding region by using tanks, wheeled vehicles, small arms, uniforms, and other items of material culture from the Buck Collection as the exhibit focal points when possible. So when you walk in there, you open the door and you are in the living room of a 1940 home. And you go through the various vignettes uh, throughout the museum. You see lots of large vehicles, such as tanks. There's a 1942 follow me jeep, which is kind of interesting. It's very, very colorful. There's an ambulance and they have 
dummies in there that look like somebody actually in the ambulance. There's also a shop truck, which they claim helped win World War II because the Germans didn't have anything like that. It was a, um, a mobile truck that they could repair vehicles, repair tanks, and it had anvils. It had everything that you needed uh, in a garage. And they had, like I mentioned, Jeeps, and they had something called a dragon wagon. And you walk back through there, and there are these little vignettes with these vehicles, but they also have, um, have uniforms. They have information on real people that lived during World War II and uh, various artifacts that they used. So it's a great museum. Uh, it's only been open about a year and they keep adding to the collection, but it's it's a wonderful experience, and I encourage people to go over there and check it out. Well, thank you, Barb. This museum really broadens our understanding of the local history and um, gives us some additional insight into what uh, former members of this county and of this area did to serve their country during World War II, and I think few of us were really fully aware of that, so that's extremely interesting. Cynthia, as regent, you've put together an informational display depicting the activities and the contributions of the Gettysburg DAR, past and present, as part of the Celebrating Women's History Month here at the museum. And you have some very interesting pointers for us. Tell us about the features of the display and when it will be available for the public. Well, it will be available um, starting the weekend of the 4th, March uh, 4th, which is Saturday. We'll go in Friday and set everything up. Um, we're really excited about this. The, the boards were designed to show what DAR was doing during World War II and then also what DAR does today. And we're just really excited to share that with everyone. Very interesting. Could you give us some insights and some heads up so that we know what to look for? Well, um, you may be surprised at some of the women that have were DAR members. That's on our um, uh, famous women who were daughters of the um, American Revolution. And um, the, actually, this morning on the news, I heard that um, Mrs. Hopper, who was a U.S. Navy admiral, she was a graduate of Yale and Vassar and a professor at Vassar when World War II broke out, and she left to join the military and they said she was too old she was 34 <laughs> and she was underweight so they uh she decided to go into the reserves so she went into the navy reserves and worked her way up to rear admiral and uh, is known for being a mathematician and really getting computers started with code and she's the one that came up with bug and debug so that's <laughs> uh interesting career for her and we're glad that she was a dar uh, it helped us, it probably helped us to win World War II. Mm -hmm. Also, the DAR was involved with our, with our National uh, Continental Congress building. They gave it to the Red Cross to use um, for the entire time of the war. And the basement was used for a daycare center for women who went back to work. And they took care of the children in the basement there. And that's in Washington, D.C. Wow, that's a very nice contribution to the... Red Cross, which I'm sure was vitally needed at the time. Yes, yes, and the DAR worked very closely with the Red Cross. A lot of people volunteered in the building to help with the Red Cross. Um, women were making bandages. They were, this um, World War II exhibit is also 
on the home front. And as you know, the men were away and the women left behind were helping to win that war too. And all the things that they did on the, on the home front, which was making bandages, raising money, buying war bonds, planting victory gardens, all of that is on our display boards. When the, and when they come to the, um, the museum, they'll be able to, to see them and read articles about it. That's very interesting. A lot of them had to step into the workforce while the men were away and, and take various jobs and sacrifice and juggle family and children to be able to support that war effort, which was vitally important. And that's, that's really very interesting. Um, I think that one of the other things that the women did, if I recall our conversation earlier, was to recruit wax to recruit young women to be uh, the Women's Army Corps. Yes. And so that was quite a, a, a feat to yet have young girls, young women who would be interested in going into the wax, be recruited by some of the DAR daughters as they helped at, at the home front. Yes. And the, each chapter, it was their job to recruit women from the ages of 20 to 50 to join the wax to help with the, with the war. So that was, um, and our chapter was involved in that also. I see, that's interesting, very interesting. Barb, I recall hearing that the uh, Mamie Eisenhower was a member of the Gettysburg chapter of DAR. How was she involved? And tell us a little bit about Mamie and her, her uh, supporting of the DAR chapter in Gettysburg. Sure, I'd be happy to. Mamie Geneva Dowd Eisenhower joined the National Society Daughters of the American Revolution on April 17, 1953, she was what we call a member at large initially, which I think many of our first ladies, when they join, if, they are st- if their husband is president, that's how they initially join. After the move to Gettysburg, when Eisenhower retired, she transferred her membership to the Gettysburg chapter, where she was an honorary regent for the chapter, uh, which and she helped... Uh, with a lot of activities in the chapter, presenting awards for students such as our fifth grade history contest. Uh, I know she participated at the national level, presenting awards and so forth. She was a descendant of Benjamin Dowd, who resided in Middletown, Hartford County, Connecticut, during the period of the Revolutionary War. He was a private serving under Captains Blackman, Clark, Whitmore, Skinner, and Bacon, and Colonels Enos, Sage, Farron, and Sheldon. I'm sure that, that Mamie's presence at activities was really a, an important draw for the community, and she, I imagine, used her celebrity to help promote other things and to get things accomplished. Uh, Cindy, I believe that the chapter has something special that had belonged to Mamie. Could you share that with us, please? Yes. Mamie left us a dress... We've had it a long time. It's gone through several regents, and um, when I became regent, I thought we should do something with the dress. It was going to just deteriorate if we didn't quickly take care of some um, repairs that needed to be done, and um, it had been in many people's attics, maybe some of their closets, um, um, and it was not taken well care of very well. So um, I knew we had several ladies that volunteered at the World War II Museum, and I asked if they thought the World War II Museum might be interested in the dress. They were very interested in the dress, but our organization was also very interested in keeping the dress. 
So we um, put it to a vote and decided that we would let the World War II Museum borrow it for this exhibit that they're doing. And Barb and I uh, traveled over and met with the um, director of outreach, and she told us how they could take care of the dress, what they would do to ensure that it would stay in good condition. And they purchased some items that the dress can be displayed on that are acid-free, and they came directly from Eisenhower um, Society. It was a grant. And so that will be on display um, with next to our table, I understand, unless they have to put it in a different place, but it should be next to our display and next to the tables so that we can um, tell people about the dress and how we came to own the dress. I understand that the um, World War II Museum has very great curators and people who are expert in restoring things such as that. So to have someone professional restore any little mending types of things that are needed on that dress are far better than we could have hoped for if we had kept it ourselves and tried to display it locally. So that's a very nice feature. Yes. Barb, in addition to the recruiting of wax and things like that, during World War II, how was the Gettysburg chapter involved in assisting the war effort? And I know there were many ways. Well, as Cindy said, the ladies did donate a lot of their time uh, toward the war effort. The uh, chapter assisted the local women's clubs in the sale of the war bonds and stamps. They also purchased $200 war bonds and members donated 4,760 hours of work for the local American Red Cross. So we were very busy trying to help the war effort. And that's just a small part. There's probably more things that the ladies did that uh, were not documented in some of the records that we have. Well, those are significant achievements. And as you say, there were probably a lot of behind-the-scenes things that DAR members and their sisters or friends or mothers or whatever got involved with because of them that helped with the war effort as well. Cindy, the National Society also participated in the war effort as well and was very committed, and maybe you could share some things uh, relative to that. They did. Uh, Again, like Barb mentioned, it was amazing the amount of money that they could raise to purchase war bonds. And the National Chapter... Uh, over a hundred million in war bonds that they committed to and raised the money to buy those war bonds to help with the um, World War II effort. And they also uh, promoted, the, like I mentioned earlier, the victory gardens. And our, our president general has said we should copy those types of um, victory gardens now and call them sunshine gardens because of the people that are um, having a difficult time making ends meet with the rising price of, of groceries. So that I have pictures of things that she has suggested and um, an article there that she, she mentioned in our magazine about starting a sunshine garden. So with, that's something that we can look into in our chapter too and, and uh, encourage others to and, and even pass out seeds for people to plant in their victory gardens or Sunshine Gardens now. Very nice idea. Even the children were involved, I believe, in terms of gathering foil. Would you share a little bit with that, of that with us? Well, metal was very important back then, and so the, the children would. They, would, um, they had scrap metal um, areas. And even in neighborhoods, they had a, um, if there was a vacant lot, that was the area where they would take their scrap metal, and the children would often take 
metal from the home and take it and drop it off there. Um, some of the children were even taking their bicycles apart and donating the metal from their bicycles. Wow. And, and um, so that every little bit helped. I know many of us remember the balls of tinfoil, at least uh, that our parents would have remembered, and the children gathered the foil from gum wrappers and from cigarette packs and pressed them into balls to, as foil for the metal uh, collection. And I think there also was a rubber collection that the children got very much involved in as mm -hmm. well. So all hands on deck. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everyone did their share. Well, these things have been very interesting, and, and I'm glad to know that we have some of that history that we can share with visitors to the, the World War II Museum and see with your, your display. Uh, I wanted to ask Cindy also, in your research for the display, you came across the role, and I use that as a pun, for two popular candies, which... Uh, played a role in the war effort. Could you share with us those little stories? Yes, during World War II, this, this is real exciting, especially from this area. Um, there was a, a gentleman, and his name is Gail Haversine. He was from Utah, but he was in the Air Force, and he was stationed over in Germany, and he flew uh, bomber planes, but he also did supply planes. And at this time, towards the end of the war, he was in um, delivering supplies and, and into uh, Berlin. And um, he was on one of those runs, and he saw children standing behind a fence. And he um, landed the plane, talked to the children. He was taking pictures because he knew he would be going home soon, and he thought, I need to, I need to record this for history. And so he has pictures of the children. He has pictures of... Um, what was going on at the time, and he walked over to see the children, and he thought, oh, this is crazy, I'm seeing the children, and I don't have any candy or anything for them. He reached in his pocket and had two pieces of Wrigley's chewing gum. <laughs> so he uh, broke it into pieces and tossed it over the fence. The children had the gum, and and they took the uh, the wrappers from inside, the foil and the wrap, and passed them on to the other children that didn't get any. And he and they stuck it to their nose to sniff of the uh, the smell of the gum. And he told the children that he would be back the next day, and he would have surprises for them. And they said, "How will we know which plane is yours?" And he said, "I'll wiggle the wings." So the children gave him the nickname of Uncle Wiggle Wings. <laughs> and the next day he did. He came over and he dropped chocolate bars, Hershey chocolate bars, on little uh, parachutes to the children. And he knew that they hadn't had chocolate for over three years. And the children were, looked malnourished, and so he dropped off. The, and it started um, almost a daily run of dropping off chocolate bars to the children. There's a book written about him. And he lived to be 101 and uh, just passed away last year. Is that right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's one of the candy was. And with that being uh, Hershey's uh, chocolate bar, Milton Hershey won an award from the Army Navy E Award for efficiency. He, had, he won five of those awards during World War II of um, providing the um, chocolate to this, uh, so the services. Mm -hmm. I think there was chocolate in the MREs, wasn't there? Wasn't there? Yes, he did. Time. He did MREs mm -hmm. too. Yes, yeah. and um, the M and M's were made um, for MREs specifically for World War II because they put the the coating around the chocolate so they wouldn't melt. So if they sent them to the tropic areas, then the chocolate wouldn't wouldn't melt because the casing holding the chocolate inside. 
So that um, that was also put in MREs in World War II. And then I, while doing this, I got so interested in it, I started looking at other wars to see if candies were around and learned about one in the Korean War. And they were used Tootsie Rolls. And in the Korean War, this is the uh, Chosun Reserve, which was the biggest battle in Korea. And um, our Marines were there, and their um, vehicles had stopped working because the gas lines had cracked. And they had sent a message, and it was in code, back to the camp saying, we're running out of ammunition, we need more, we need more bullets. And the code word for that was Tootsie Rolls. We need more Tootsie Rolls. Mm. So when the person on the other end got the message, they had not been told that that was the code word for bullets. He actually sent Tootsie Rolls. He sent pallets and pallets of Tootsie Rolls in, in these <laughs> metal containers. And um, when they came, the men thought, well, where, where are the bullets? You know, they're not here. So he opened, they opened these Tootsie Rolls, and they found out that they were malleable, and they could mold them, and by chewing on them, they could um, get them soft, and they covered up the cracks in the um, gas lines and were able to get out of that area. That's amazing. <laughs> and they called themselves the chosen few. Because so candy played quite a role. It does. Yes. Who would have known? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's been re remarkable to pull all this information together and it just gives us a little taste of what the World War II Museum has to offer. And I really uh, salute both you, Cynthia, and Barb for your work on getting this display ready and, and putting together the things for that to educate people. And the, the, the title of the museum is the World War II American Experience Museum and Education Center. So education has a very big role to play and educational um, experiences are part of that. Do either of you have anything you'd like to add that I may not have thought to ask? Um, we purchased a brick at the um, museum with uh, Mamie's name on it, an honorary DAR and the years that she was with us. And that will be in a memory garden at the museum. So we, our chapter purchased a brick for her. So that's very nice. So that's something else that I don't know if the bricks will be laid yet, but they will get to see that if they visit again and see that her name with the DAR chapter on there. Okay, well, we thank you so much to both Cynthia Birdwell and Barbara Greeley. And I, I want to let our listeners know that for more information, they can go online and using the number two, go to visit www.org, where you can learn the importance of milkweed pods for keeping soldiers afloat in the water after being down in battle. And that's a really uh, interesting thing that, that you'll see at the museum. Also, the children saving foil, we talked about that, and the foil balls. And the museum offers a vast display of military uniforms, um, vehicles, artifacts of all time, of all kinds. One of the things they have is a little key can. And that little key can has the shape of a key on the top, but the idea was that even keys that have no value or you don't know where they go to anymore have value in terms of the metal. Those cans have a place where you can put keys so they can go in with the metal that is being used to help the war effort. 
So those are some things that you might be interested. Let me just tell you that the World War II Museum is at 845 Crooked Creek Road in Gettysburg. And I encourage you all to stop and visit, and more than once, because every month will be a different featured activity. This particular month is National Women's Month, and so that's why we have our DAR focus, and we were invited specifically for that purpose. So we thank you again, both Barb and Cynthia, and we thank you for listening to our podcast.